Hello and welcome to the Family Planning Files, a podcast from the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. The National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning is one of the training centers funded through the Office of Population Affairs to provide programming to enhance the knowledge of family planning staff. I'm your host, Katherine Acheson. Our guest speaker today is Ann Finn from our popular Coding with Ann series. Ann heads Ann Finn Consulting LLC, where she is a healthcare reimbursement and billing and coding consultant who has worked as a national trainer with many reproductive healthcare organizations. Welcome back to the podcast, Ann. Thank you, and welcome to our special podcast addressing the use of telehealth during this COVID 19 public health emergency. I'm based in New York, and the toll on healthcare workers is immense as the number of people seeking care each day rises. As healthcare providers, we need to figure out how we can reach our patients and do virtual check-ins, medication checks, and evaluation of symptoms, since many patients can't be seen in the office or clinic. In response, Medicare, Medicaid, and many private insurers have relaxed restrictions around how healthcare can be used, trying to open up access for more providers to meet patient demand by allowing patients and providers to be in their homes, as well as allowing more platforms, such as FaceTime or Skype, both of which are readily available via a patient's smartphone or home computer. Some states are even allowing telephonic-only exchanges. Please note that payer policies are changing from day to day as we learn more about COVID-19, so be sure and check the policies of your state and local payers before implementing changes. What is telehealth? The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS, defines telehealth as the use of electronic information and telecommunication technologies to support and promote long-distance clinical health care, patient and professional health-related education, and public health and health administration. Technologies include video conferencing, the internet, store and forward imaging, streaming media, and landline and wireless communications. What about HIPAA in regards to telehealth? The Office of Civil Rights, or OCR, at HHS is responsible for enforcing certain regulations issued under HIPAA to protect the privacy and security of protected health information. During the COVID-19 national emergency, covered healthcare providers subject to the HIPAA rules may seek to communicate with patients and provide telehealth services through remote communication technologies. Some of these technologies and the manners in which they are used by HIPAA-covered healthcare providers may not fully comply with the requirements of the HIPAA rules. OCR has issued a notification of enforcement discretion for telehealth remote communications and will not impose penalties for noncompliance with the regulatory requirements under the HIPAA rules against covered healthcare providers in connection with the good faith provision of telehealth during this emergency. This applies to telehealth provided for any reason, regardless of whether the telehealth service is related to the diagnosis and treatment of health conditions related to COVID-19. This would include family planning services, contraception, and the diagnosis and treatment of other related issues. Under this notice, covered healthcare providers may use popular applications that allow for video chats, including Apple FaceTime, Facebook Messenger video chat, Google Hangouts, Zoom, and Skype, and in approved instances, telephonic-only calls to provide telehealth without risking that OCR might seek to impose a penalty for noncompliance with the HIPAA rules. Providers are encouraged to notify patients that these third-party applications potentially introduce privacy risks, and providers should enable all available encryption and privacy modes when using such applications and take steps to reasonably ensure privacy during all patient-practitioner interactions. 
However, Facebook Live, Twitch, TikTok, and similar video communication applications that are public-facing should not be used in the provision of telehealth. What about patient rights and informed consent during COVID-19? Informed consent requirements for telehealth often vary state by state and across payers. While getting a patient's consent for telemedicine visits may not be a requirement in your state, it's still a telemedicine best practice. The practitioner should confirm the patient's identity and provide the patient with basic information about the services that he or she will be receiving via telehealth, along with their verbal consent. This should be documented in the patient's record and dated. How is Medicare addressing telehealth? Medicare has expanded telehealth via a 1135 waiver. Under this new waiver, Medicare can pay for office, hospital, and other visits furnished via telehealth across the country and including in the patient's place of residence starting March 6, 2020. A range of providers such as doctors, nurse practitioners, clinical psychologists, and licensed clinical social workers will be able to offer telehealth to their patients. Telehealth services are paid under the physician fee schedule at the same amount as in-person services during this time. To the extent the waiver requires an established relationship, HHS will not conduct audits to ensure that a prior relationship existed for claims submitted during the public health emergency. Additionally, HHS is providing flexibility for healthcare providers to reduce or waive cost sharing for telehealth visits paid by federal healthcare programs. What about Medicaid? Medicaid already provides a great deal of flexibility to states that wish to use telehealth services in their programs. States can cover telehealth using various methods of communication, such as telephonic, video technology, commonly available on smartphones and other devices. No federal approval is needed for state Medicaid programs to reimburse providers for telehealth services in the same manner or at the same rate that states pay for face-to-face services. It's important to check with your local Medicaid program for the latest guidance during this pandemic. For example, here in New York, Medicaid allows for telephonic check-ins and has provided specifics on how to bill and get paid for the different types of visits based on the type of facility and provider you are. Just like Medicare, New York State and others are reimbursing telehealth services at parity for the same rates as face-to-face visit would be. What are originating and distant service sites? The originating site is where the patient is located at the time healthcare services are delivered to him or her by means of telehealth. The distant site is where the provider is located. During the state of emergency, both the patient and provider rules have been relaxed and includes their home locations. Providers must ensure that patient privacy is protected, for example, taking calls from private secure spaces and using headsets. What documentation is required for reporting a telehealth service? Documentation is critical. Telemedicine doesn't change the fact that a provider should use their best clinical judgment and document their medical reasoning in patients' medical records. Keys to documenting medical necessity to support evaluation and management services include document all diagnoses managed during the visit. For each established diagnosis, specify if the patient's condition is stable, improved, worsening, etc. Document rationale for ordering diagnostic tests and procedures. Clearly describe the management of the patient, for example, prescription drugs, including contraceptives, over-the-counter medication, a decision for surgery, and so on. A provider must follow the CPT coding guidelines, and the documentation must support the E&M level build. 
Providers should refer to the CPT book for the complete descriptors of ENM services and instructions for selecting a level of service. If you are documenting that you are coding an ENM service based on time, when 50% is spent on counseling and coordination of care, you must document both total time and the time spent in counseling and or coordination of care in the note. Documentation should also include verification that the service was provided via telehealth, the location of the patient, a note on any medical personnel with the patient, the location of the provider, the names and credentials of all people involved in the telehealth visit, and their role in the encounter at both the originating and distant sites. And remember, all time-based codes must have time documented in the chart note to support its billing. How do I bill for telehealth? Most payers will require a place of service or POS02 on the claim to indicate that a billed service was furnished as a telehealth. There are exceptions to this, such as being asked to use the POS of where the service would be held face-to-face. -face. Check with your payer's recent guidance. Include ICD-10 diagnosis codes to support the services being billed. Remember, payers are not limiting the diagnosis codes for telemedicine during this pandemic. The patient does not need to have a cough or fever to have telemedicine covered. Any diagnosis or condition is eligible to be billed via telehealth. Submit claims for telemedicine services using the appropriate CPT or HCPCS codes for the professional service. Your CPT book in Appendix P lists accepted CPT codes. Medicare has published a telehealth fact sheet that includes the CPT and HCPCS codes it covers. Examples of billed codes, depending on your payer and their rules, include telehealth visits, including evaluation and management services, should generally occur in person. CPT 99201 to 99215, office or other outpatient visits, would be used. Virtual check-ins or brief communication technology-based services for patients to communicate with their provider and avoid unnecessary trips to the doctor's office or clinic would include CPT 99441 to 99443, telephone E&M service dependent on time, or HCPCS code G2012. E-visits, including non-face-to-face patient-initiated communications with their provider without going to the doctor's office or clinic by using online patient portals. CPT 99421-99423, online digital evaluation services based on time. CPT 98970-98972 for providers who cannot bill E&M services. But this code is not widely accepted, so again, check with your payers. And HCPCS codes G2061-2063. Append the correct modifier if required for telehealth services, including 95, synchronous telemedicine service rendered via real-time interactive audio and video telecommunications systems. This is used on codes in Appendix P of the CPT book and not typically used for Medicare codes. GT modifier via interactive audio and video telecommunications systems, used only when directed by your payer in lieu of modifier 95. The GQ modifier via asynchronous telecommunication systems such as store and forward technology that is not real-time but collects images and data to be transmitted and interpreted later. Let's consider a non-COVID-19 patient in need of birth control. Lisa uses Skype to connect with the nurse practitioner to obtain a refill on her oral contraceptive pills. Lisa receives patient-centered counseling and the nurse practitioner sends in a prescription for the pills. 
The provider would bill an evaluation and management code 99201-99215 or one of the time-based codes 99441-99443 with the appropriate diagnosis code such as Z30.41 encounter for surveillance or repeat prescription of the contraceptive pill. A modifier 95 or GT may need to be appended to indicate a service was rendered via synchronous or real-time telecommunication. The place of service would be O2 Telehealth on the claim. The provider is currently reimbursed the same as if she saw the patient face-to-face. Check with your local payers for up-to-date guidance to ensure that you are complying with all the regulations. It is also important to review your payments to ensure that they are being paid at parity with face-to-face as telehealth visits are typically reimbursed at a discounted amount prior to COVID-19. One of my colleagues who owns a billing company shared that she was seeing discounted rates being paid in March that will need to be reprocessed to ensure full reimbursement. We've covered a lot of information today, so let's take a moment to recap some key takeaways. Patients can receive telehealth services in all areas of the country in all settings, including at their home. CMS will not enforce a requirement that patients have an established relationship with a physician providing telehealth. Clinicians who want to use audio or video communication technology to provide telehealth to patients during the COVID-19 emergency can use any non-public facing services available to communicate with patients. This exercise of discretion applies to telehealth provided for any reason, regardless of whether the telehealth service is related to the diagnosis and treatment of health conditions related to COVID-19. Penalties for non-compliance with the regulatory requirements under the HIPAA rules in connection with the good faith provision of telehealth will not be imposed. This allows providers and patients to use widely accepted apps on the phone and home computers. Providers should take every measure to protect patient privacy during telehealth visits made from the home. Some states and payers are allowing telephonic-only visits where no visual is required. Written consent for telehealth is not required. However, the provider should obtain a verbal consent. Telehealth services are typically being reimbursed at parity for existing or face-to-face visits. Example, 100% of Medicaid payment rates. Review remittances to ensure correct payments are received. Resubmit claims that are paid at a lesser rate during this transition of new rules. Some payers are waiving co-payments and deductibles for telehealth services during this emergency. Telehealth services are documented like face-to-face visits and must meet the definitions of the codes, including temporary guidance changes. Time-based codes must have time documented in the chart note to support the service build. And check with your local Medicaid and other payers for up-to-date guidance. Expect changes as this pandemic spreads. I hope this podcast has helped you to expand your knowledge of billing for common telehealth services during this COVID-19 pandemic. We appreciate and applaud all of your hard work and dedication to the many patients needing your care. Stay safe and thank you for joining us today. And thank you so much for joining us today, Anne, and for sharing your time and expertise. For more content, search for the Family Planning Files or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For a transcript of this podcast, as well as other online learning activities and continuing education opportunities, please visit our website at www.ctcfp.org. This podcast is supported by award number 5 FBTPA 006029-02-00 from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health, OASH, Office of Population Affairs, OPA. Its contents are solely the responsibility of the presenters and do not necessarily represent the official views of HHS, OASH, or OPA. 
Theme music written by Dan Jones and performed by Dan Jones and the Squids. Other production support provided by the Collaborative to Advance Health Services at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Nursing and Health Studies. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of the Family Planning Files. <laughs>